Come on, church, we're going to continue our worship this morning by diving into the Word of God. I'm so excited. I've got a great word for you this morning that the Lord dropped on my heart. I'm going to share about you in just a few moments. Um, for those of you who are new, a couple things. Number one, I'm Bat, <laughs> lead pastor here at Life Church with my wife, Tanya. We get to serve you as your lead pastors. Pastors Mike and Ev, who are our associate pastors, are just returning back from a holiday. So we expect them back here next week at the service. And in the meantime, we are so grateful to be able to serve you and to serve the Lord in this way uh, with you as, we, as he builds his church. Amen. This is Jesus' church, and we get to be a part of it. Isn't that awesome? Come on. The Bible says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we believe that this is God's church. It's his church. It belongs to him. And he can do whatever he wants to. Amen? So, what we've been doing, you guys, is we've been going through a series called Values. And again, when Tanya and I first became lead pastors two years ago, um, we really felt like what we needed to start with is some values that we can tie our vision to. So if we ever tell you, hey, this is where we're going, it's because it ties back to one of our values. And we talked the first day about um, this idea of vision, and we talked a little bit about our purpose statement. Does anybody remember what our purpose statement is? Let's see, a little pop quiz here. We are here to... That's right, we are here to care for and bring people to Jesus. That is our purpose statement at Life Church. And then we've got eight values. And last week we started with the value of the Word of God. We build our lives on His Word. Amen? We build our lives on His Word. This morning, church, we get to go into the next value, and that is the value of worship. Somebody say worship. And the statement is this, we are a Holy Spirit-led church who live to see God glorified in all things. In fact, let's read that together, church. Here we go. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who live to see God glorified in all things. Awesome. Now, what we've been doing to uh, kind of change up the sermon series a little bit is we've been inviting a different person each week to come and share a brief testimony or, uh, or a thought about the subject of the day. And last week we had Eric Penner. That was amazing. Thank you so much. Um, this week, church, we are going to invite up Jasper Macabulus. Jasper, come on up, buddy. Come on. He's going to share. And as he comes up, I got the mic, so I get to do this. I just want to brag on this guy a little bit, you guys. Can I just tell you, this guy is worthy of great honor. This is a man of God right here. I mean, this, this man of God, I don't know if you realize this, he leads his family every Sunday morning. He's here at 8 o'clock to help set all this up for us so that we can have these services together. And he serves faithfully. He is a mighty man of God. He is a worshiper. And I just want to honor you and just say, I, we really appreciate you so much, Jasper. Can we give him a hand? And Jasper's going to be sharing. Yeah. Jasper's going to be sharing on his thoughts on worship this morning. Thank you, Pastor Matt. Yes. Thank you. Morning. <laughs> My name is Jasper, and I am five foot seven. <laughs> On a good day, <laughs> yeah. And I play bass for the worship team. So, uh, sometimes the guitar or anything, anything that's needed, except for the piano. I don't know how to play the piano. Um, I love my family. Christina's there, right behind, uh, and uh, Alicia and Ezekiel, my kids. And I love Jesus. I think, and I'm, I think I'm done. <laughs> Now, um, I think I'll begin with how it started. So as a background, um, I played guitar, but I've never been in guitar school or music school. I don't know how to read notes till now. 
um, in high school, I've got interested uh, in playing the guitar and um, no formal training, but I'm a guy who wants to know more, like things. And um, going here in, in Canada, <laughs> a couple of years back, um, the, the Pumarises actually um, invited us to church. Past yet. <laughs> yeah, Melan, Kevin, <laughs> Pastor Mike and Eb welcomed us to church. Graham invited us to jam with him. Like in that room there, in the corner, there's a room there where um, the worship team got together, like together with Austin, like everyone else there who was part of our worship team. Um, and uh, I felt embraced, which is great. Right? So it's a good feeling. Um, we jammed together with a full band in the team room. And as a person who wants to know more, what did I want to know more about? Well, for one, to know more about worship, to know, just like more, know more worship songs in one way. Um, to know more about the church, life church, um, leading worship, and more, most importantly, to know more about Jesus. Because I don't, like, I don't think anybody can fully claim that they know Jesus entirely. There's always a want to know more. Right? So, um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for all of the people who have connected us. Thank you, Graham, for inviting me to the worship team. Um, and then, thank you, Pastor Tonya and Pastor Matt, for keeping me. Uh, keeping me there and, 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 being, and mentoring me in this journey of worship. Yeah, that I appreciate. Um, first time I went into a worship service was Easter. Remember this. Um, Easter and the songs were O Come to the Altar and Victor's Crown. I remember Graham taking me to that sanctuary there and we practiced a little bit because I was nervous. <laughs> Why was I nervous? Well, the thought was I did not know enough. I did not know enough about like whether it's music or did not know enough about God that I was not good enough. And what did I learn? We know that none of us are good enough without Him. That it is His presence that marks us and sets us apart. And in the end, I just said, Amen. <laughs> God knows you more than yourself. Um, what worship is to me, um, it is an expression to what um, I know, to what is known, but since I felt that I do not know much, it made me want to know Him more. And uh, what was the impact? Um, the impact of that is that the want was there, and the want to build a relationship with God was there, and to build a relationship with Life Church as a uh, church community who worships. Um, and um, what is known now is how much God, J Jesus, loves us and how great is our God. In the service, um, like we are carriers of His presence. And I think this has been like, um, like an honor, a privilege to be in front of everyone to carry that and to lead everyone into worship. And whether it's, it's connecting wires, whether, so all of those things are part of the whole like, worship service. So that's what, one thing. That, and with worship too, you want to do things with excellence. Right? There's a certain standard we're in because you hold God up here. You want to bring yourself up there. With, and it's... Um, your emotions like, is irrelevant of what you want to do, what you want to present, because um, in the end, it's all, it's all going back to God, right? Um, because we all, it ebbs and it flows. Life ebbs and flows. I don't, we won't have, like, good days all days, but once we get here, there's something that this church, that the presence of God gives us, and that's all part of the whole worship idea. Um, yeah, and because we love Him, I think that's one of the things that we, we need to constantly remind ourselves. We love Him, and He loved us first. 
um, worship, it's a reminder of His greatness. And based on what He has done in the past, what He is doing in the present, and that carries us into the future. And I think I'll wrap it up there. And I think I'm still five foot seven at the end of this short talk. But no, thank you very much. Uh, thank you, Pastor Matt. So good. Thank you, Jasper. Isn't that just refreshing? Come on. What a man of God. I love that. That was amazing. Come on, man of God. That was awesome. That was so good. Well, once again, I'm Matt, and I'm six foot five. So just so you all know. There you go. Um, uh, okay, so today we're going to continue to talk about the value of worship. And, um, and, and as I was getting, um, we had a worship night last night with Numa Church. It was awesome for those of you who were there. Great night. Incredible night of worship. Just joining one of our values is being kingdom-minded. So we got to live that out last night because it's not about us. It's about something greater than us. Um, but we were able to worship together. And on our way back home, I was praying. And I was like, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say tomorrow? What is it that you have for us? And I felt like the Lord put a passage on my heart. And so I'd like you, if you have your Bibles today, to turn to 2 Chronicles. Yeah, we're going old school. Back to the Old Testament. 2 Chronicles 5. And we're going to be reading from verse 7. And then we're going to skip forward to 11 through 14. And this is a particular event that took place in the Old Testament under the, the kingship of Solomon. And the event that we're about to describe here is describing something that took place when Solomon built a temple for, the, for God. So he had built a temple for God, and we're going to read, we're going to pick it up at a certain point when uh, the Ark of the Covenant, have you ever seen Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark? The Ark of the Covenant came into the temple and was put into the Holy of Holies in the temple. Okay, so this is the event that we're going to read. If you got 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 7, you say, what does this have to do with worship? We're going to tell you in just a moment, all right? So 2 Chronicles 5, 7, and we're going to read from the New King James Version. Then the priests brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place, into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place, under the wings of the cherubim. For, skipping forward to verse 11. And it came to pass when the priests came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions. And the Levites, who were the singers, all those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthun, uh, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps. And with them, 120 priests, sounding with trumpets. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one, to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, and his mercy endures forever, that the house, the house of the Lord, was filled with a cloud, so that the priests could not continue to minister because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Somebody say, the glory of the Lord. One more scripture I'm going to read to you is Psalm 22, verse 3, and it says this, but you are holy, enthroned in the praises of Israel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you this morning for your word. 
God, we build our lives on your word, Lord Jesus. And we thank you that your word is living and active today, Lord Jesus. It is sharper than a two-edged sword, and it divides between the soul and the spirit and discerns to the intents of the heart. And this morning, we come under the authority of your word, and we pray that you would use these lips of mine, Lord God, to speak your word with authority and unction, Lord Jesus. Lord God, we pray that today as we receive the word, Lord God, it would go deep into our hearts, Lord God, and it would plant good seed in us, Lord Jesus, that would remain in us, Lord God, and that we would walk in newness of life. Let not one person leave this place the same we ask today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Well, when it comes to the concept of worship, we're going to circle back around to these scriptures in just a moment. But when it comes to the concept of worship, I think there can often be a little bit of confusion around it. I remember um, growing up, I grew up in a kind of a charismatic church. And I remember growing up in a church where we would have the entire church dancing before the Lord. Did anybody grow up in a church like that? You know what I'm talking about? You know, back when I was a kid, we used to have this thing called the GT Shuffle. And, and, and it, it kind of went like this. We would be singing the song, and then all of a sudden, Sister So-and-So would start to just kind of start hopping in the front. And then everybody around would kind of start joining in. And the next thing you know, we'd be doing this. And we'd be singing songs like, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. Anybody know that song? Yeah, how about this one? We bring a sacrifice of praise. Anybody know that one? Yeah, yeah, And we'd sing songs like this, and the entire church would be worshiping God together. And as we've watched this idea of worship begin to kind of grow throughout the world, and we've seen worship start to kind of evolve into new things, there's this whole movement that's taken place where it almost feels sometimes like our worship is a concert. You ever thought that? What's the purpose? Why are we singing these songs on Sunday mornings anyways when we come in? Is this a concert? Is this, is this supposed to be like a rock show? Is this supposed to be something that, you know, is, is there to entertain me? What is the purpose of our worship? I mean, how many know this, that worship is more than a song? I, Jasper was just sharing that a little bit briefly earlier, that worship is, is everything that you do for the Lord, that you do it for Him in, with excellence, and you do it for Him with intentionality. One of my favorite um, uh, uh, definitions of worship is from the, 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 the wonderful worship leader, Darlene Check, and she says this, this is a quote from her, true worship is not about the songs, the vocals, the band, or the choir. All of those things contribute towards a great expression of worship. But the essence of worship is when your heart and soul and the core of your being connects with and adores the Spirit of God. I'm going to read that again. True worship is not about the songs, the vocals, the band, or the choir. All those things contribute towards a great expression of worship. But the essence of worship is when your soul, your heart, your soul, and the core of your being connects with and adores the Spirit of God. Now, if we take that idea and we Google Earth, zoom out of a, a song service on a Sunday morning, what you get is that when you live a life that is there to glorify God, everything that you do in that life is an act of worship. Amen? Jasper was talking about this earlier. He says, listen, when we are setting up chords on Sunday morning, you know what that is? It's worship. Because we're doing it as unto the Lord. When, when those guys in the back are pushing the buttons on that thing, you know what that is? It's worship. 
because they're doing it in their hearts as unto the Lord. When you turn and you love your neighbor, because you just read that morning in the Bible, it says, love your neighbor as yourself. You're submitting yourself to God. And you know what? You know what that is? It's worship. It's worship unto God. When you live with excellence in your business and you, you live a life that reflects the glory of God with your integrity and how you conduct yourselves, do you know what that is? Worship. It's all about Him. But if we Google Earth zoom in a little bit today, today what I actually want to talk to you about briefly is the power of mu the musical expression of worship. In other words, what we do here on Sunday mornings when we gather. And that brings back that question I brought up at the beginning, which is, what is the purpose of this? Why do we sing these songs? I mean, listen, let me tell you, if the purpose of this was to entertain you, then, then probably what we would do is we would just hire a band, right? We get some professional musicians in here. We pick some pop songs of the day, and, and we probably dim the lights a little bit more. We probably have some smoke coming up from behind here, have a laser show going, and, you know, and, and we probably, you know, get a mosh pit going up front here for the young folk, right? Isn't that, is that still cool? Oh, she doesn't know. Okay. Uh, we get something like that going, you know, we'd, we'd probably do something like that, and it would be like, you know, that's what this is about. It's about entertaining everybody as you come in, but that's not the heart of what we're doing. And in, to understand the heart of what we're doing and to understand the theology and the biblical basis for what we're doing today, we're going to use this story that I read earlier today to explain it to you. And what we're going to do out of this is I'm going to pull out simply three points from this today, okay? You with me? Three points today. When we spend time musically engaging in worship together, what are we doing? This is what we are doing, church. We are entertaining the presence of God. There's a key here that we see in the book of Psalms, in the second passage I read. Psalm 22, verse 3. It says, but you are holy. And then that gives us some insight into God and his position. It says, you are enthroned, where? In the praises of Israel. Enthroned in the praises of Israel. Now that word enthroned in the original Hebrew is the word yeshab. Somebody say yashab. Yashab. And that word means to sit down. It means to dwell, to remain, to settle, or to cause one to settle, or to marry. It's this idea of abiding or dwelling in a place. In other words, if you were to read that, you could say, you are holy and you abide or remain in the presence of Israel. That the presence of God is where people are giving worship to him. Now, if we go back to the passage that we read earlier, 2 Chronicles chapter 5, verse 7. We're going to read through it again, and I, like I said, I'm going to pull out three points for you today. Here we go. Number one. 2 Chronicles 5, verse 7. Then the priest brought in the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord to its place into the inner sanctuary of the temple, to the most holy place under the wings of the cherubim. Here's my first point. Worship starts with a reordering of our lives and putting God in his rightful place. What is happening here? Okay, let me give you a little picture. God had given the, the blueprint for the temple. 
he had given it uh, years back and said, this is how it's going to be laid out. This is what I want it to look like. And so what he had for the blueprint, uh, initially it was a tabernacle, it was a tent. Uh, but when they built it, they built it firm. They built it solid out of um, whatever they built it out of. And it was a building that had a certain layout. There was some order to it. Okay, And what you had is you had the outer courts. And let's imagine that today uh, the outer courts are the red line around the basketball court. right? So you had the outer courts around the outside of the temple. And then you had a place called the holy place. And that was kind of up in this area over here. And in the holy place you had three uh, pieces of furniture uh, that were set up there. There was the, 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 the um, I'm not going to tell you what they are because I I, I'm not ready to do that right now. But there's three pieces of furniture in here, um, if I remember correctly. What it, yeah, does anybody know what they are? The laver, thank you. That was the other courts, yeah. There was the, uh, the table of showbread. There was the, the, the table of incense, right? And the golden lampstand, which is really cool, by the way. I'd love to tell you about that someday. Um, there's some really awesome parts about that. But anyways, regarding that, there's, there's these three pieces of furniture in there in the holy place, okay? And there were certain priests that could go in and they could do their priestly duties in this area. But then there was a very special area that was inside of the temple. And it was called the Holy of Holies. And it was surrounded by a great curtain or a veil, if you will, that kept people out from this area. And inside the Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was meant to reside. Now, to a Jew or Israelite of that day, the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence, the immediate physical presence of God. And so what happens here is that the priests are taking the Ark of the Covenant, the immediate presence of God, and they're putting it back into its rightful place. Do you see that? They're reordering it, and they're putting it back into its rightful place. And when that happens, the glory of God shows up. So, my point is this, worship starts with the reordering of our lives and putting God in his rightful place. What does that look like practically for us today? What am I talking about? How does this apply to us today? When we come into a worship service and we begin to sing, there's two things that happen. Number one, we begin to declare the truth about who God is. We begin to declare it out and we begin to say, this is who you are. That is who you are, right? Praise, give him praise, give him praise in the highest. And we sing it out and we declare it, and we are declaring it to ourselves, and we're declaring it to everyone around us. We're reminding ourselves of the reality of the fact that he is God, that he is greater than anything that we are facing in our lives today. We're reminding ourselves that God is holy and enthroned on our praises, that he is high and lifted up, and we are reordering our thinking and our lives with the reality of his greatness. Do you see that? God is put back into his rightful place. I'd like to challenge you, when you come into a worship service on Sunday morning, have your hearts be open to that. Let your heart be open to God reordering you Reordering your heart. Listen, throughout the week, this is what happens. This is just natural. It's the second law of thermodynamics. Any system left to itself will spiral into chaos and, and entropy. We are prone to wandering away from the things of God. You could come into a, a worship service on a Sunday morning or, or at a camp and have this incredible encounter with God, and you're like, oh, 
I'm going to go in my Monday, my Tuesday, my Wednesday, my Thursday, my Friday, and I'm going to carry that anointing. But inevitably throughout the week, life happens. And the things of life start to yell louder than the reality of God's greatness. And we start to walk away and drift away from the things of God. This is one of the reasons that the Bible tells us do not forsake the assembling of the saints. Because then when we come back together and we declare his greatness in song, our lives are suddenly, they have the opportunity to be reordered. Back into a place where he is the greatest. He is the highest and he is back in his rightful place. Church, let me ask you, is the Lord, is he, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Is he seated on the throne of your heart today? If not, this powerful tool of worship can help you put him back into his rightful place. Can you see that? Can you see that? Uh, uh, let me just dig a little bit deeper into this. Can we go a little bit deeper? Okay, John chapter 4, there's a story about Jesus, and he meets with this woman who's a Samaritan woman, and they're having conversation. It's a wonderful story. You should read it later if you get a chance, but I'm going to pull out one segment of that story where uh, the woman asks Jesus a theological question. And she says, listen, our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem uh, is the place where one ought to worship. So where do we need to worship? Like, what do we need to do? Do we worship on this mountain, or do we worship over here? What are we going to do? And Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, we know what we worship for salvation of the Jews, but the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. And God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, what is he saying here? She's saying, do we, need to, do we, do we go worship over there? Do, do we go worship over there? What, like, what, where's the place? Like, how, how do we do this? And what Jesus is saying is the hour is coming and now is when the Spirit of God is coming to dwell in you. And what we're told in the book of 1 Corinthians with Paul is do you not know that you are the temple of the Spirit of God? Remember that picture I drew earlier of the temple? This is what we're told. You are the temple of the Spirit of God. And he dwells in you. In other words, just like the priests had to come and put the Ark of the Covenant back in its rightful place and bring order back to worship, we need to do that in our own lives every single day. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth. And church, we need to make a, a choice, and a disciplined choice, an intentional choice to put God back into his rightful place in our hearts. Amen? Is God in his rightful place in your heart? Is there an anxiety or a fear that is overtaking you? God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind. Is there a, a sickness that is impacting your life today? Come on, we believe that our God is the God who heals. Is there challenges that you're facing, anxieties and fears? Put him back in his rightful place. He is God, and he is Lord. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And just as these priests put the, the Ark of the Covenant, the Spirit of God, back in its rightful place, we can do the same with our praise. He inhabits the praises of his people. Amen? Amen.
I'm going to read a quote to you from Ernest Gentile. The worship that God seeks is a worship not frozen to a sacred temple or a sacred place or a building or by loyalty to a particular tradition, but a worship which is living the ever-new response to God who is spirit. Amen? All right, let's read on. So first one, worship starts with the reordering of our lives and putting God in his rightful place. Number two, there is power in the unity of praise. Verse 11, and it came to pass when the priest came out of the most holy place, for all the priests who were present had sanctified themselves without keeping to their divisions, and the Levites, who were the singers, all of those of Asaph and Heman and Jeduthan, with their sons and their brethren, stood at the east end of the altar, clothed in white linen, having cymbals, stringed instruments, and harps, and with them 120 priests sounding with a trumpet. Indeed, it came to pass when the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking God the Lord. So this is it. They came together in unity. They came together in unity. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 19, it tells us this. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always... For all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Okay, so this is what this looks like. When we sing these songs on a Sunday morning, we're declaring the praises of the Lord to ourselves, reordering, putting God back into his rightful place, but also to others around us as an outward sign or declaration of the reordering that is happening in our hearts. God is being put back into his rightful place. He is Lord. He is Savior. He is King. We're declaring it. Praise. Give him praise. Give him praise in the highest. You know, first of all, when I'm singing that song, I'm singing it to me. So, hope in God. Remember who he is. Remember who your God is. Don't forget his greatness. And you know, the second thing I'm doing is I'm declaring it to you. I'm encouraging you to praise, to glorify God, to put him back in his rightful place. And then I'm also singing to him, to the one who is worthy, and I'm declaring his greatness. And I'm saying, yes, Lord, I respond to that. I receive that. I recognize that you're here with us now. I know that you're with me. I know that you have a plan. I know that you haven't left me. You've not forsaken me. I trust you that even whatever I'm feeling right now, that my feelings do not trump the reality of your word. They do not trump the reality of your goodness. They do not trump the reality of your presence. And then there's a power that happens when we unify around that idea. And we worship together in spirit and in truth. When we do this, we are singing vertical, we're singing to God, we're glorifying Him, we're magnifying Him, we're lifting Him high, and the second thing that we're doing is we're singing horizontal, in that we're encouraging each other. Isn't He worthy, church? Isn't He great? Are you guys with me? You catching this? Okay, so worship starts with the reordering of our lives and putting God in His rightful place. Second thing is there's power in the unity of praise. This is what they did. They joined together as one voice and one sound and lifted up the name of the Lord. And what it says is, and we read on, and when they lifted up their voice with the trumpet and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever, 
that the house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not continue ministering because of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord filled the house of the Lord. Here's what happens. Number three, the glory of the Lord is revealed in worship. The glory of the Lord is revealed when we worship. David Guzik, um, wonderful commentator, said this, it is worthy of note that this great outpouring of glory of God came in the context of intense and dedicated praise. God pours out his glory when his people praise him. When his people praise him. Now, I want to just make a statement to you. Okay, listen. The glory of the Lord is always there. But when we worship him, we become aware of his glory. Let me give you some proof of that. Matthew 18, 20, verse 20. Jesus said this, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. I wonder how many times we've joined together with two or three people and not been aware of his presence. He says he's there, but maybe we're just not aware. Maybe we're just not in tune to the reality of his presence and what he wants to do. But musical worship is a pathway into the presence of God. Why? Because first of all, worship starts with the reordering of our lives and putting God into his rightful place. It's expressed in unity as we sing vertically to God and we sing horizontally to one another to encourage each other. And as we do that and we declare his greatness and we declare who he is, it says that the glory of the Lord is revealed to us. Now this is intensely spiritual, but it's also intensely practical. Because it's actually just very simply this, that we become aware of the reality of God in our lives as we worship him. Now, there's also a spiritual component of this because also, as we become aware of his presence, let us become more aware of your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. As we do this, as we declare his greatness, as we sing it out, as we reorder and reorient our lives into the reality of his lordship, we become aware of his glory. And then all of a sudden, there's this like two-way thing going on where God is like just shouting down his glory. Hey, this is my glory. This is what I'm going to show you. And we're going back to him. Yes, God, you are glorious and you are worthy. And then it comes back down to us again. Hey, just want to remind you of my goodness and I got you and I didn't forget about you. Hey, the other day, church, I was in a service. I want to tell you about this. This happened to me this week. We were in Ontario at a conference. And, um, and we're at this conference and we walk in. And to be honest, we were a little bit late. Okay, just being honest. And we're a little bit late, and we walk into this conference, and we sit down, and we catch the end of the preaching. And, um, and then, so there's grace, by the way, for all of those that relate today. We're there. We're with you. And, uh, and uh, we catch, it was the plane. Okay, fine. It was the plane's fault. And, um, and so we walk in, and we sit down, and we stand up at the end, and there's this, this worship that starts to happen. And the minute the worship happens, I had prepared my hearts. We were ready to go. We were like, okay, God, what do you want to speak to us? The minute the worship started, I felt the presence of God just flow over me like a river. And I was like, oh, that's what's happening here. Okay, cool. And as I'm sitting there in worship and I'm just, okay, God, what, what do you want to say to me, Lord? What do you want to do? What do you, what do you ha what's happening here? I felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and said, Matt, I see you. I see you. 
I see where you're struggling. I see where you have need. I see the work that you're doing. I see your, 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 you know, the, the, how you're trying to love your wife better. I see how you're trying to parent your kids better. I see it, Matt. I see it. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit just spoke to me right there in that moment in worship as I turned my affection towards him, as I put him back into his rightful place, as I sang in unity with the people around me, that all of a sudden the glory of the Lord was revealed. And you know what was really even more cool about that? Is the next, next morning we came into a worship service, and one of the pastor's wives got up and gave a word, and she said, I just want to give you a word today. This is for some of you. He sees you. Okay. Thank you for confirming the word. And God spoke to me in that moment and just reminded me of his goodness, reminded me that he's got this, and reminded me of his glory, that it was present to me with what I was facing. So if you're ever wondering, why do they sing songs on Sunday morning? Why do they sing so many songs? Why do they keep repeating them over and over again? We're going to get to that later. There's a reason for it. There's an intentionality. Because when we sing on a Sunday morning together, it reorients our lives back into the right order where he's in charge and he's first. We praise the name of Jesus and we glorify him vertically. And we also encourage each other horizontally. Speak to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your heart to the Lord. And then finally, the glory of the Lord is revealed as we do this. Do you see that? The glory of the Lord. Practically, it's just the reality of who he is and how that applies to our hearts. Spiritually, there can be a deep connection with the Holy Spirit. And church, I, I believe that there will be days where we will experience the presence of God in greater ways. Church, we are a Holy Spirit-led church. It's one of the distinctives that makes us unique. We believe in presence-driven worship. That as we respond to him, he responds to us. And our goal is to figure out what God's doing and go with him. And finally, we are a church that wants to make room for the presence of God. We are a Holy Spirit-led church who live to see God glorified in all things. In all things. And so, this morning, as we close, I thought it would be appropriate for us to practice presence of God. And I would invite my wife to come up and Jasper. You guys want to jump on your instruments this morning? And I'd like to invite you to stand with me today and let's do this this morning. Let's, let's worship God. Let's sing of his greatness. Let's put him back in his rightful place. Is there an area in your heart this morning where you say, you know what, I have taken over lordship of that area of my life. And I need to put Jesus back into his rightful place. Is there, is there an area of your life where you need to do that this morning? Maybe just ask the Holy Spirit, God, is there an area in my heart where I have drifted away from you? I've walked away from you, Lord Jesus. And I've been trying to lean on my own understanding. I've been trying to do it on my own. But this morning, I want to put you back in your rightful place. Can you just ask the Holy Spirit this morning?
Jesus. This morning, we, in, we pray that you would be enthroned on our praises. We pray that you'd be lifted up and put back in your rightful place in our lives, Lord Jesus. Where we have fallen short of your glory, Lord God, we pray today, Lord Jesus, that your glory would shine in us, Lord God, and through us. We recognize that it's not about us, Lord Jesus, but it's about you. Even as Jasper said earlier, you became sin that we might become the righteousness of God in you. So this morning, Lord God, we receive your righteousness. We receive your peace. We receive your goodness in our lives, Lord Jesus. And we receive your lordship. And we declare that you are Lord and that you are God and you can do whatever you want to do. Our hearts belong to you. Our hearts belong to you. Our lives belong to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord God. Amen. So now let's sing together. Let's sing vertically. Let's sing horizontally. Let's declare his greatness. Father, we ask that your glory would be revealed to us as we magnify you and lift you up and put you back in your rightful place, Lord God. We pray, Lord Jesus, that you would flow through us. Oh God, that you would saturate us with your presence, God. We pray, Lord God, that we would be carriers of your kingdom everywhere we go. Lord Jesus, that we would be filled with your presence, Lord Jesus, and that we would carry it into the world around us. 
Help our lives to reflect your glory. Oh God, it's a high calling, and we respond to it now, Lord Jesus, recognizing that it's God who works in us, both to will and do for his good pleasure, that you are even now working in our hearts, Lord Jesus. Be revealed to us and through us, we ask. We ask this now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.